Welcome in to a bit of an emergency, well, not emergency, but a very uh, impromptu episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager at Second City Hockey on Twitter, at dmelt57. The Hawks made a pretty big trade today, um, or just at least an interesting one. So we got uh, got a couple line mates with me this evening to talk about it. Uh, up first, we have the Second City Hockey Bullen Wall of Text, and she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. It's Betsy. Hi. Um, that news dropped while I was in the middle of a meeting, and I was like, Haha, this is more important. <laughs> <laughs> more important than the meeting, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, just, I, I assumed, I just want to make sure we had, uh, you know, it's it's a meeting. You, It sounds like you have plenty of those every week anyway. Yes. I am in a corporate <laughs> landscape of like nothing but meetings and then you're like when do i actually get work done i'm not totally sure (laughs) Um, well uh hopefully this doesn't resemble one of those meetings i think you're probably allowed to do more swearing in here than you are in your other meetings i mean it depends on who i'm meeting with (laughs) because okay (laughs) we're in a creative field so ah there you go yes and sometimes swearing is very creative also with us this evening, uh, I believe calling in from the road, so uh, hopefully there's no uh, traffic issues all the way there. But uh, official podcast introduction still yet to be determined. It's Eric Gagenheimer. As the official Chicago delegate, uh, I feel I must report I have now watched both seasons of the show The Bear. I do not know if it's good or if I like it, but I have watched both seasons. So there is that. What what is leaving you on the fence of whether you like it or not? Um, I just I haven't fully bought in yet. Like things okay. happen and I'm just kind of I don't particularly care that much. And to me, I mean, that's the hallmark of when you're really most of your favorite shows you like watching because it's almost kind of like you like hanging out with your friends, like mm-hmm. in the simplest terms. Right. I don't know that I really like hanging out with any of those people or I feel <laughs> like I need to. But yet I'm still watching. And I've watched, I watched the whole thing last year. I watched the whole one this year in, you know, the span of two days or whatever. So okay. obviously they're doing, they're doing something interesting. I, maybe I just haven't figured out what yet. I, I feel like for most people I know that are in or near Chicago and you hear all the references to the city and I've heard they're like very detailed, specific references. And the novelty of that can be cool for three or four episodes, but then after a while that starts to wear off a little bit. And then you need like an actual good show to watch. And I've seen mixed reviews on whether or not that is the case. Yeah. And I mean, there's some really cool stuff, especially with Chicago restaurants. And I like food very much. I think as we all do. Uh, um, and confirm. there was, there was a couple that they name dropped or that a location dropped uh, in this season that I know and kind of are near and dear to me. So I appreciate that. But like you said, yeah, at the end of the day, that's, I can just also go to those restaurants. I don't need to watch them on a TV show. I can go eat the actual food. Mm, yeah. Well, um, is that the show with the shameless guy? Yes. Yeah. Where he takes over his brother. Uh, his brother commits suicide and like leaves him his Italian beef stand, the family's Italian beef stand. And he's like this kind of big high to do, uh, you know, Michelin star chef. And he comes back to Chicago to take over the family beef stand and but, a bunch of stuff. Happens. But it's not in the same world as shameless. Right? No, no. Shameless, it, not, okay. Yeah. 
Shameless is about like a really poor, poor family. <laughs> Yeah. And like it was filmed in Chicago. I never watched it. I, I know it was filmed in Chicago. I don't know if it was set in Chicago though. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. It was? It was. Okay. Well, um well the only thing I know about uh the bears that that's uh heavily in beef. And speaking of that, we've got a pretty meaty trade to get to uh with our discussions. Yes, yes, thank you. I'm proud of that one. <laughs> so So the Blackhawks made a trade today. Uh they traded Ian Mitchell and Alec Regula to the Boston Bruins, and in return, they got former Hart Trophy winner Taylor Hall, as well as the rights to Nick Felina, who is an unrestricted free agent, but it does seem like, based off uh, a statement that came out from GM Kyle Davidson, that they're going to uh, throw him some uh, some more money and keep him around for however long the contract is. So, I just have uh, my just initial question. I'll, I'll throw this over to Betsy. Uh, what was your first reaction when you saw this trade? I was excited because one, that was one of the things that I was like, they should go for Taylor Hall. Uh, Boston has to get rid of people. Why not mm. leverage that? Like, I mean, so many teams took advantage of the Blackhawks. Um, yes. Cap hell. And this way, Boston at least gets something. Like, you can't, you know, Taylor Hall is at least um, a good player, like, in his prime. It's not like just throwing away a player. Um so at least they got something. It's not great. I mean, Regula might be able to do something, and we like Mitchell, but not like a lot <laughs> anymore. Well, um, yeah, yeah. The, our our bandwagon, uh, the the tires were. It was pretty much up on blocks at this point. So yeah, but this kind of like eases like Boston a little bit, like their ego a little bit, while essentially getting Taylor Hall for nothing. Um, right. The last time he got traded, he got traded for a second. So what ended up eventually being a second so uh taylor hall is in the back of his prime he didn't have a great season last year it wasn't bad but it wasn't great he was mostly on the third line but that's fine um because we don't need him to be great we just need him to be serviceable while playing with an elite kid you know and he's Mm -hmm. used to that taylor hall (laughs) that's quite the history playing with first round picks so you know I think it's great. We were all talking about like maybe Bedard needs leadership and stuff like that. I don't know how leadershipy Taylor Hall is, but the other guy in the trade um, could totally be that. Like that's one of his whole thing. He's a great well, locker room guy. Well, and a captain. Like he was a captain in Columbus. Yeah. yeah. So they've hit two marks if they sign uh, Felino. If they don't, that's not that big a deal either. But it'd be cool if they did. And he probably will get more money. Yeah. He, the, the Hawks can right. afford to give him more money than anybody else. And he's worth, yeah. Yeah. And sure. he's at best, at best, a third liner. And that's on a bad team. Um, so, yeah, I was excited about this. This is a good move. It's smart without like breaking the bank in any way. Um, didn't give up really anything that they can't afford to give up, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I liked it a lot. Eric, what about you? Um, at first, I kind of was in the middle. And then I saw Taylor Hall's numbers for last year. And granted, this is on like a historically all-time good team. And mm-hmm. they didn't need him to do a lot. But I guess I also didn't realize he had kind of come back to earth that much. Yeah. Um, so there was a part of me that was waiting for where's the pick? Where's the other <laughs> thing that Boston is giving them to uh-huh. take the salary? Um, and I guess maybe that's just Felino in this case. But I guess, so depending on what type of deal they end up giving Felino, if they give him a one-year deal and it's for significant money, 
then I kind of like this a lot more because that says to me that they're going to try to trade him at the deadline. And I'm assuming they're going to try to rebuild a little bit of value for Taylor Hall, and then they could retain some of his salary and, in theory, trade him at the deadline too if you think you're going to go try to sign a couple free agents next summer when you don't have to worry about the floor anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's... I kind of, I guess I wanted somebody maybe a little bit younger and maybe a little bit more of a lottery ticket um, that probably came with a pick if they were going to do that type of deal to play with Bedard. But it's, I mean, Taylor Hall's, are, what, he would be, what would you consider him to be, their second or third best forward at this point outside mm -hmm. of Connor Bedard? So it's kind of yeah. hard to argue or be upset with that that, they got that for nothing and all they have to do is pay money for it i mean it's essentially the same as a free agent signing then right so they signed taylor hall for two years at six million per i that's better to me than max don't me it's better to me than you know jt comfort at that same money so at first i was just kind of a little underwhelmed but the more i thought about it i think the more i like it um to put into perspective his um like point rate on that that boston team first of all he didn't he, did, he played with like not their best players, right? But on top of that, he would have been third on the Blackhawks um, for his points rate, point per game rate, <laughs> um, and, and, behind and Kane and Domi. So, yeah, he would have been above everybody else. So if you look at who they still have on the team and the only – like, you're looking like, okay, so Bedard's obviously hopefully going to be putting up at least point eight, right? And then you've got Reichel, who last year did – 0.65 in a small sample. Well, okay, uh, you put Hall up there. If he can at least do, because he did a, like a, a 0.60 essentially. Um, yeah, that's not bad. That that would be like 50 points, which is second line production on any other team. And on the Blackhawks, that's solid. <laughs> like yeah. if he can do that. <laughs> well, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if that gets a significant bump too. When we talked to, to Dante from the Pats, um, you know, the one thing that he said was he felt like there was probably 10 to 15 assists that got left on the table for Bedard based on the kind of the quality of the teammate not being able to finish a play. And Taylor Hall is definitely a finisher, and at least he has been at points throughout his career. So assuming that the two of them are going to be playing together and they develop, you know, a decent amount of chemistry, I think, you know, who, I don't know who we played with offhand, you know, on the third line of Boston last year, but oh, I would assume that it's Connor Bedard would be a better quality of, you know, facilitator. At least that's what we're all hoping. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see that get a nice little bump too. Let me, I'll look up real quick. Hold on. Yeah. You. Like I, and with, with Taylor Hall, like I'm looking at his, his points per 60, all, all his point production rates over his career. And historically, like he was at 1.9 last season. Uh, points per 60, which is roughly in line with a, a lot of his, like, uh, they don't have a career mark here at uh, natural statric, but I mean, if you go back the last five years, it's 2.3, 2.8, 1.3, 2.13, and 1.73. So it's not, he was not significantly down last season. He only played 60 games. And if you take his point total and project it out over an 82 game season, he's probably up around the 50 point mark, roughly speaking. So um, like there is, it feels like more than anything else, this is like a legitimate NHL caliber top six forward that's added to a team that I didn't think the Hawks were going to be able to get one at all. 
and through free agency or trade or whatever, it seemed like there were just going to be a lot of scrap heaps. It just it gives it gives Connor Bedard another player to work with, and if if he doesn't if Hall doesn't skate with Bedard, you also could throw him with uh, Reichel or with Kurashev or with somebody. It just it, it gives the um, I, I think. I, I think there was something to be gained from getting your NHL level, um, your youngsters like Bedard and Reichel to have them with NHL caliber talents to play with so they can see what it looks like when you make a pass to an NHL caliber teammate and they can score a goal with it. To the, your point, Eric, about what Dante said with Bedard was making passes to guys who couldn't handle it and turn it into a goal. Taylor Hall might be able to do that. And then, you know, there then there's the you pump Taylor Hall's tires for. 50, 60 games, he ends up with a ton of points or whatever, and then his value soars for next year's deadline. So I I have a hard time finding anything to dislike about this trade, save for the Ian Mitchell bandwagon officially being dead, but uh, the tires broke down about 20 miles ago anyway, so what's the point of complaining about that? That milk has been spilled. So um, well. Taylor Hall's most common line mates in Boston were Charlie Coyle and Trent Frederick. Um yeah. Uh, technically, David he played more with David uh, Crazy. How you say his last name? Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Um. Overall, but like with a bunch of different like people. Pavel uh, Zaka. Zaka. Zaka Sounds about right. You know, I'm not yeah, going to. Um. That's it. We don't. We don't care about that team. <laughs> um. And I already have. I'm terrible about pronunciation and they all got like 30 ish points in slightly less games than I guess Hall played. So, I mean, on a team as stacked as um, the Bruins were, it's kind of like we had Marion Hosa playing on the third line in 2016. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, yeah. like we had P- Patrick Sharp, Vermette and Tara Vainen as our third line in the playoffs that year. Like it's okay that he was on the third line. He could have played the top line. Fine. <laughs> if they needed it. I love I love that third line too. That might be my favorite third line. I mean, um, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, no, so it was absolutely ridiculous. So here's my question for you too. And, and we'll do this kind of as a group theme, but like it's kind of early in the process. So maybe we'll have more time to uh, digest this and maybe we'll put it into an article later. But I think the general idea is kind of setting expectations now for Taylor Hall, because this is not, um, this is not a fourth line grinder that the Hawks acquired, but it's all, like he did uh, win a heart trophy, which I mentioned at the top, but that was also like five, six years ago. He's 31 years old. So he's beyond what would uh, most people would categorize as an NHL prime, but he, he's still a pretty good hockey player. Like, I don't think he's, um he's certainly not a slouch. Like, I don't think this is um like I said, not the, the fourth line grinder type. So I don't, do you have, a rough number in mind or just kind of a ballpark of an, an early estimate of where like a point total we think he might end up in. Cause I feel like I'm in the, like if he plays with Bedard a lot, like I feel like 60 to 70 points isn't wholly out of the question. What do you guys think? I would, yeah, I would definitely agree with you. And, I, but I would kind of look at it from a different way too. Um, he's, he's a definite top six forward. And so him, Bedard, Reichel, like you're starting to kind of see a, a top six form. And so, yeah, I think anywhere like 50 to 70 points, but that's the talent level that he has. And mm-hmm. that's like, that, that's significant. That's a significant get, again, for nothing, for giving up RFA rights. For two guys who weren't going to be here long-term anyway. So, yeah. Betsy, what about you? So, yeah, I think anywhere between 50 and 70. Um, I think if he can get get what would have projected out to 82 game, like an 82 point um, 
82 game point level um, would have been around 50 ish points. And he did that with Charlie Coyle. Um, he could probably he could get more than that with Bedard if he's mm-hmm. healthy there. He's like last year was the first time he really missed a whole lot of like, like he played a lot, but then he also missed some time. He did miss. Um, he had a couple of seasons where he had some downtime. Um, but the year before that he played, practically the entire season. I think he only missed one game because they sat players at the end of the season. So it really depends on his health, but I think if he hits anywhere between like a point six per game to like a point seven, you should be happy because Bedard is probably picking up assists from other players or goals from other players and by himself that Taylor Hall is not going to like factor into. So yeah, I think that's a comfortable that's a comfortable point total, and that's a good you, good for them. Do you know too? Was he? I don't think he was on Boston's top power play, and I'm assuming, I, of course, he should be on the Blackhawks' top power play. That's exactly the point I was going to get to, Eric. Is that uh, I I wouldn't say he was on the top power play unit because the uh, he was averaging about two minutes a game on the power play, and usually the top guys are up closer to three. I'm going to pull this up as I'm talking, so we'll. It uh, was he played. He was seventh on their team with two fourteen um, a game. Okay. So yeah, that sounds like second power play unit. And if I think with this this fifty to seventy range we're casting, if he goes to the Blackhawks top power play and the power play performs better, I think you're gonna see him up near that seventy point mark. And if the power play sucks again all season, it'll probably be down near the fifty point mark. That might be the wrinkle. But if you go back like earlier in Taylor Hall's career when he was getting top power play time, again, back in the prime of his career. So these levels of expectations might be a little bit too high, but I mean, during the 17, 18 season with New Jersey, he had 37 points on the power play. So 13 goals and 24 assists. I wouldn't expect that level again, but you, if you take, you know, you get 20 points on the power play and 40 at even strength, you know, 60 point season is pretty good for a top six forward at a 6 million per. So not bad. I don't know if he'll get, (laughs) 20 is a bit aggressive all right let's go down to 15 then but i mean he could um like last year he got 15 um and he bounced between the top unit and the and the second unit so i don't know yeah i mean i'm i'm as we're talking here i'm pulling up taylor radish's stats because he was the like the power play leader he had 15 points on the hawks power play last season and i think it's fair to say that taylor hall is more offensively gifted than taylor radish is so, okay, so maybe high teens. Okay. But yeah, I like, I think Eric, one of your questions that we discussed in the round table article at the website today was the top power play unit. And now it's like, so we got Hall, Bedard, Reichel, Korchinski, Seth Jones. That's it, right? There's your five. That's probably your five most offensively gifted players on the team. You want two D men? Yeah, that's, I know most people are doing the one and one D men and four forwards these days, but. I, I mean, Kuczynski acts like he could be a forward if he wanted to be. Um, he's that gifted offensively. So, um, well, and they did that a little bit last year. That was really in the second one, though. They do Caleb Jones and Ian Mitchell out there at the same time. Yeah. Uh, every once in a while. So I, they're not going to shy away from that if it seems like that's the best option for them. Yeah, I don't I just it's. Uh, the, uh, so the last thing I wanted to ask you two, because I was talking about this with uh, people on Twitter today, and then I think it came up in the comments as well. When was the last time the Blackhawks made a trade that made them better on the ice immediately? And the I was going all the way back to the Seth Jones trade, which was two years ago. 
And uh, like again, some people might might uh, debate how much that better it made them on the ice, but they went from Boquist to Seth Jones, so I think that's an upgrade. Uh, but does anybody else have a different uh, a different trade in mind? Obviously, you can just throw out the entire last year. Yeah. that's not what they were yeah. doing at all. Like every yeah, every I mean, trade was deleting was getting rid of current talent for future picks and prospects. Was what was first? Was Flurry first? Or I mean, it's it's all kind of lumped into it was the same Seth, amount Seth of time. Jones first. Okay, and then Johnson, and then Flurry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess the Mark Andre Flurry trade might have come after because that was right around free agency. So. But either way, those were all two years ago. I don't. I mean, I understand. Like, it's not. <laughs> Seth Jones definitely was better. Um, so it definitely made the team a better team. It just wasn't a great trade. <laughs> it wasn't a good trade. For, yeah, for the for the time or what was given up, and we but we like we've done that show. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, um, several times I think. If you, but if you're looking back before that, I don't even know. Like, yeah. I don't. Vermette, yeah. God, Jesus. Um, that, I mean, I, well, because, I, because you got to think about like when they traded um, Panera and they got Sod and they got Anisimov, but that didn't make them better. Um, <laughs> it made well, them slightly better defensively, but like overall, it still made the team quality yeah. go down. And then before that, you had Jalmerson for. Like the same Mur- time, Jalmerson for Murphy, which at the time Jalmerson was still better than Murphy. Murphy was going to be good, but he hadn't gotten there yet. And at the time, Jalmerson wasn't injured; like he didn't have his injury history that he got literally that next season. Yeah. Um, and then before that, they traded for Lad. That didn't yeah. pan out. Um, well, I, like I was, I feel like yeah. there. Were- I was trying to think of something in the very late teens or early twenties, but like it was, it feels like every trade has been made for like a future asset. And so now it's just, it is a wonderful development that there is a Blackhawks trade that happened and it added to the team immediately. And that it's like a good thing. Like I think this is kind of indicative of the changing fortunes and the changing situation of where we are, uh, where the Blackhawks are right now, because you know, they're, I, the tanking I think is over. At least we hope, because, I mean, we literally just signed Flurry and Seth Jones, and they went on to have a historically bad, se- you know, opening season. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. So it did, like, the team actually was worse yeah. <laughs> to start. Yeah. Because um, it's obviously, hockey's a team sport, but I think on the surface level, yes, this is a... Yeah, and, and I, I think the other thing... Like with this trade, like this does not, I don't think it puts the Hawks in any sort of playoff contention or anything like that. It's just, it's, uh, it's, it it makes them a little bit more watch another reason to watch next season, because now you know that Connor Bedard's got someone to play with. Go ahead, Eric. No, absolutely. And another thing it kind of does is it reinforces like Davidson's, he's gotten off to a pretty good start. Like his it track is. record yeah. for the moves that he's made. And, you know, we're talking about all these other moves. Those were all Bowman. You know, this mm-hmm. isn't, he's come in and even just kind of letting Mitchell and Regula go, even if this is the way that they did it, like even that in itself is just kind of showing that it feels like we're kind of, you know, we're seeing something and they're kind of seeing the same thing, which is, you know, let's make some space. Let's let these kids get in. Let's let these kids play. All right. You know, we need to get some people that are going to be able to to help Bedard and play with him and hang with him. And so they're doing, you know, a lot of like really 
positive things around that already. And they're still, they have a lot of picks. They have a lot of salary they could take on still. So that's just kind of like another really good benefit of that is you're seeing, you know, that Kyle's making some good trades. He's making some good moves. So what I'm hearing is all that is uh, Kyle Davidson listens to these podcasts and he's taking our advice or he's at least reading our website. So, uh, so you're welcome, Kyle and everyone else that we're presenting all these really good ideas and they're running with them. We're ready for you to hire us anytime, though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, though. Next year is going to be funny because there's literally only two players signed, forwards, excuse me, signed currently to next season. Not this upcoming season, season after that, the 2024 20, <laughs> 25. And Taylor Hall is one of them. Literally, the guy <laughs> they picked up is one of the only two players this sign yeah. this season. Well, yeah. Well, well, Bedard will have his entry level deal. And then, well, that's sure. That's the thing. It's like by the end of, by the end of next season, it will be interesting to see how many Blackhawks prospects on entry level deals occupy that four space. But yeah, it is for, for the 24, 25 season. It is Taylor hall and Andreas often to see you. That's it. <laughs> no other Fords are under contract beyond the upcoming season that's hilarious i did but that that's also good though too but yeah i mean that's, you that's a, you don't want to commit a bunch of term to any of these guys right now because yeah. all everybody's still in somewhere in the chl or they're in college you know like I all did, the kids you're gonna want to see i thought it was funny even reichel is a rfa next season. okay like, oh yeah yeah <laughs> um i was looking at the other kids they're still there's only like a couple a handful like the ones that just signed, you know, Hayes, um, Rolston, Doc, those guys. Those are the only ones that are signed. Well, hey, and and then and you're, <laughs> we've I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but that summer, free agents include Austin Matthews, Sebastian Ajo, uh, Willie, Willie Nylander, Sam Reinhardt on on the unrestricted free agent category. Jake Gensel's on there. Granted, some of these guys might resign between now and then. Tavo's out there. Brett Seabrook's an unrestricted free agent next summer. Throw another eight million in him for seven years. It worked out so well the first time. Tampa um, Bay Lightning legend. Brett yes. Um. All right. I think. Uh. Any other final thoughts? I mean, uh, we really just wanted to do a quick hitter and talk about this really quick because I think it was kind of it's kind of fun. Like this was uh again this is it's been a while since there was a trade where you're like oh this guy's gonna be on the team next season and I'm excited to watch him. So Eric, any final thoughts or words? Yeah, no, just kind of that. And that's building off like the draft night, like there's genuine excitement. And I think anything that's a positive is just kind of adding onto that. Like, you know, I always appreciated watching Taylor Hall on other teams. He's really, really good. He's a really good hockey player. So it'll be cool to see him come in. And, you know, this is this is more excitement. This is the best trade we've had in a couple of years for the Blackhawks. So yeah, it's, it's a good one. Maybe go do another one or two and let's see what we got. Yeah. It's fun to be excited about a season again. Uh, Betsy, what about you? I think it'll be interesting uh, with Taylor Hall because there were like some rumblings that he, part of the reason he didn't want to be in New Jersey was that he didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. Um, that he wanted to go for a cup and now he's gotten traded to the ultimate rebuild currently. <laughs> um, but he also, I don't think was going, I don't think the, I think last year was the Bruins chance and it's, it's gone now. So he wasn't going to go again with the cup with the Bruins anyway. So might as well, you know, beef up his stats and then go into his next contract and get more money 
That's yeah. what he or, should be doing at this point. Or, 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 or gets, beef up his stats and get traded. Exactly. That's where I was going. That be, yeah. you know, have a really good regular season, 50, 60 games before the deadline, get flipped to a contender and, and take your chances there. Cause that's and even where, if it's not this year, cause he's got another year, the Blackhawks could eat half of his contract for both years if they wanted to, but next year would be even better. Um, so yeah, it's a win-win for him in a situation where he's going to play with what is going to be one of the best players. Fingers crossed. <laughs> next exactly. season. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this uh, impromptu episode of Musings on Madison. Thank you so much for listening to this. Uh, thanks to everyone who's uh, been visiting the website. I know we we had a lot of people there today talking about Taylor Hall, so that's a lot of fun. Um, again, Wednesday night, draft party at uh, at the St- Streetside Saloon. Did I say that right? I almost called it the West Side Saloon. It's not the West Side Saloon. Side Street. Side Street Saloon. Thank you, Eric, for God getting the place wrong. It's at uh, 1456 West George Street in Lakeview. I'm going to be there. Eric's going to be there. Betsy, start driving. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see you there as well. Uh, just kidding, folks. She's not going to be there, but maybe one of these days. Uh, but yeah, so ha- come hang out at our draft party, and uh, we'll have some more episodes and stuff when uh, all this draft and free agency stuff wraps up next week, and we will talk to you then. <laughs>